This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, a Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods, and I'm joined, as always, by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? You know, living the dream. How are things going for you? Going well. We got some NBA basketball going on. We got the playoffs. We got the bubble. So we're pretty locked into that in this household. I know that you've been keeping up pretty closely with that, right? I've been trying. I've been trying my best. I was visiting my family for two weeks, and they do not care about the NBA. So I was catching games when I could, and... Um, I'm before we started, I was watching the Lakers and, uh, trailblazers and I feel kind of wrong rooting for the trailblazers, but, um, that's where I'm at in life just to see, I'm here for the chaos and the bubble. That's me in general watching sports. I'm just like, oh man, what's going to cause the most like chaos and people just losing their mind. That would be very chaotic an eight seed upsetting a one seed and people, I think a lot of people have the Lakers as a favorite. So that would be, yeah. that would be a lot of chaos. Yeah. And speaking of chaos, we're going to be doing some chaotic stuff here in, in a good way. We're going to be answering some of these questions and kind of um, changing some things around with casting movies and giving our thoughts. I think it's, it's going to be a good one. We're doing another mailbag episode today. So I'm very excited for this. We got a lot of good questions as our... Um, podcast listeners know we've been the last few weeks I guess the last seven weeks we've been taking a look at black performances and movies and now we have a mailbag of people who ask us questions not just about the movies that we've watched and that we've talked about but also just the wide spectrum of of black film performances and, and cinema in general so I'm pretty excited about this what did you think of some of the questions that we got I guess before we start discussing them I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be very upfront. Some of this was very hard to think about, which as we talked about last week, like this whole exercise was like, there are times like, Oh, like a movie, let's think of movies with that are like predominantly black. And so like going into this now, I was like, man, I just, I don't know. I had, I really had to put on my thinking cap um, because even for like really, even movies that like do okay with diversity casting, it's still like, oh, right. They cast like one of five of the same black people. So that's hard. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it was when we saw, or when I saw, I guess, a lot of the questions, I was like, yeah, it's going to be great. Like, I'm really excited. It's going to be, I have a lot of thoughts about this already. And then when I actually like sat down, to if it's like make a list of a few actors for 
um, you know, my favorite type of performance for this, or if it's, you know, recasting movies, if it's whatever else it is, when I actually like put in the effort to do it, I was like, damn, this is actually, you know, I, I, I took it very seriously and it was a tougher exercise than I thought, but I think that the results of that are going to be a good discussion between the two of us. Cause I'm, I'm really excited and, and interested to hear your perspective on a lot of these questions. So I think we could just really dive into it if you're, if you're ready. Yeah, let's go. What do you, what do you think of this first question? The first question comes from our, our fearless leader, Ted Flint. Ted asks us to cast an all black justice league movie. Um, there was a justice league movie that came out. What was it? 2017, maybe. Yeah. I, so I, I, I did the casting here, but I, I based it on the Justice League animated series that gotcha. runs. Are you familiar with that? I think we might've talked about Justice League in, in one of the Batman podcasts, but. Yeah. So I based it, there's, there's Justice League and there's Justice League Unlimited. And I just did the first Justice League lineup, which was Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Green Lantern, Flash, Martian Manhunter, and Hot Girl. Those are the original seven Justice League members in the Justice League animated series. So that's what I based it, based it on. So I think that you you did more of the movie, right? The, the movie that came out in 2017? Correct. I went with the okay. movie because I was just like, oh yeah, that's what I'm more familiar with. That's what I've watched most recently. And the movie was, it left a lot to be desired, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so why don't we why don't we start? Well, or you can why don't we start with Wonder Woman? Who did you pick for? Because there's some overlap between our two um, Justice League lineups. So who did you pick for for one to represent uh, Wonder Woman in your movie? Uh, I picked Kiki Palmer because I was trying to think of a woman who is not super young, but also not like an older, like an Angela Bassett. Um, because that just wouldn't make sense. So I'm like, oh, who would, like, if this were to be made, who would make sense? And I thought, like, Kiki Palmer, because she's kind of, like, doesn't have that child actor association as much anymore. So it's like, oh, this would be good as, like, an adult actor. Yeah, I feel you on that. I think that, uh, I think on both of our lists, I think age is something that, um plays a big factor into it. I know for yeah. me, when, when we talk about who we cast for Batman, I, I had an originally a different actor casted for Batman. And then I was like, you know what? I think he's a little too old. And I wanted to keep my Justice League mostly in their 30s, like yeah. mid-30s, maybe a little bit late 30s, but mostly mid-30s and, and lower. So um, for my Wonder Woman, I picked Tika Sumter. Okay. Uh I, you know, when I think of Wonder Woman, I think of regalness. I think of someone who is, um, you know, stately and proud in a good way, not arrogant, but just, you know, someone who's, who just projects importance. And Wonder Woman is a character, I guess that this is, again, I'm thinking of the Wonder Woman in the animated series, but she's very, you know, she's almost like a politician, right? She's representing her homeland and she's also incredibly powerful, one of the most powerful Justice League members. And yeah, so to me, Wonder Woman just, just represents a, someone that you look up to, someone that kids look up to and that, that grownups aspire to be like. And she's very um, 
beautiful and very, you know, draws people to her. And I think that Tika Sumter could could really pull that off in a good way. So that's who I went with. with I like that pick. I like that a lot. What did you, what about, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no. Um, well, I was going to say, so who did you, you, you talked about Batman and like picking someone younger. Who did you pick for that? I, yeah. So originally I was going to go with Mahershala Ali. That oh, was my, okay. That's who came to mind to, for me immediately. But I was like, he's a little bit too old. And I'm not sure how old Mahershala Ali, I think he's in his 40s, but he was just like a little bit, a little bit too old. So I wanted to go younger and I wanted to go with someone who's, you know, really, really big right now and who is about to start a major movie if it ever comes out. So I went to John David Washington as Batman. I think John David Washington's maybe 36, um, up and comer. Mm-hmm. He's someone who I think could, be really brooding and serious but also you know he has the intelligence and he has the um batman needs to be you know a little bit charismatic in, yeah. in some and i think that john david washington could could pull that off really well who did you go with for batman i picked jay ellis he is on insecure he plays lawrence and i was just thinking someone who's like tall but like mostly superheroes i think people that are tall um but like where he could fit in either um you know without the mask like he could be the the bruce wayne because i was i guess i was thinking more like who would be a believable like bruce wayne that people would just be like yeah like there's no way this man is batman and that was jay ellis to me just because he like just seems really laid back and like a bro. And that's, I mean, as we talked about the dark night, um, I mean, sometimes Bruce Wayne seems a little lost, but like on purpose. So I think he could do that very well and maybe be a little more like charismatic than Christian Bale or in this case, um, Ben Affleck. It's a good pick. That's a, a you make a good point. And Jay Ellis is from Insecure, right? Yeah. Okay, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that show, so I need you to kind of guide me through this in terms of him. You know his perform. I've seen him in some other stuff, but like I know on Insecure, he is. I think he's Issa Rae's love interest. He is. Yeah, they are together at the beginning of the show, and I'm not. I won't ruin the show for you, but like he starts off as kind of a bum, and then he gets his life together. But like. um He's very funny as the seasons progress. Um, I think like looking back, like watching the show and like looking back, like on that first season, I'm like, man, like it's really unfortunate that he's playing a bum because he's like, he's really fun when he is playing like an engaged version of this character. So I guess I wasn't thinking of like that version of him in Insecure, but more of like, the newer seasons where he's just like very he like works in tech and is just like super chill and um he kind of goes through a time of being um you know somewhat of a playboy so that also fits the the batman persona well i think it lends itself too yeah. with what you were saying in terms of having to play different people at different times, right? The Bruce Wayne yeah. persona 
versus the Batman persona. And it sounds like, you know, him, I think he's, he's Lawrence, right? That's yeah. who he is. See, I know a little, I know enough about it, right? I, I read Twitter. I know when, when insecure, my, my entire timeline is insecure. So I know a little bit about it. Gotcha. But, uh, but yeah, so he's, like you said, I guess he's, he's, he can be chill. He can be, you know, he can be aloof at sometimes. Uh, but you need someone who can play both both sides of that, I guess. So that's a good pick. Um, did you have a Superman? You know, Superman, I guess, is a pretty important um, member of the Justice League. So did you did you have a, a pick for that? So initially, my thought was like, um, I think Sterling K. Brown. Wow, that's but good. Then, but then I would like, so I go back and forth, on, and so I'm. I should just go with the gut feeling because I think he would be. He has that very like calm demeanor and would like play. But here's the thing about Superman. Like it's easier to be like, yeah, this person could play, could be Batman because they're Batman and they're Bruce Wayne. And like people aren't putting that together because most of Batman's face is covered. However, Superman doesn't have like a mask and I can't think of like any black person that I could look at and be like, yes, you look like a completely different person with your glasses on and like doing something different with your hair. Like that's, there's not a chance of that. Um, so, but I will stay, stick with my pick because I think he would play a very good Superman. Superman has to be like, just project goodness. And yes, like Sterling K Brown definitely projects like just decency and um nobility and that's just you know maturity i think that's a great pick and i agree yeah with i don't know it's the concept of superman's secret identity is just tough on his face anyway it's true but especially with you said i mean with us like it's like come on bro like we know who you are stop (laughs) we were discussing before we started recording it's just like yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna really gonna really work for a black superman trying to like pose as clark kent like uh, no there's no yeah. there's nothing that like because doing hair like if you're if you have long enough hair that you have to do something with it like you can't just change your hair magically to go be superman like it's not gonna happen i went with aldous hodge as superman and really i mean aldous hodge is tall and i wanted a tall black dude to play superman it checks out yeah, but he's also, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's tall, he's, you know, muscular. He is, um, he has an intensity too. We, we talked a little bit, we might've mentioned him a little bit in the Hidden Figures podcast. He plays uh, Janelle Monet's husband in that, in that movie. Yeah. And what I know him primarily from is uh, the show Leverage, the TV show Leverage, who, and he plays kind of like the tech um, nerd genius person behind all the heists that they pull but Aldous Hodge is I just I think that he has a he's an imposing physical presence and he's also projects like a seriousness associated with Superman so I'll go with him I like that pick uh real quick I'll go through I guess my next one Green Lantern I had Jonathan Majors for Green Lantern um, you can check out Jonathan Majors in the show Lovecraft Country right now. He's the the main character in that one. He is also in uh, The Five Bloods, which came out on Netflix. He plays Del Orlando's son and great actor. Um, yeah. Did you uh, real quick? Did you we you watched 
Lovecraft Country? Did you get a chance to see it? We've been texting about that one. That one is on the list to watch, like, now that I am back in my home. <laughs> yeah. It's a good one. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that one offline. How, who did you go with for, for Green Lantern? Uh, Winston Duke. And after I wrote it down, I was like, oh, he's in Black Panther. And then I was like, I don't actually care. Um, That's <laughs> like in a perfect world, I'd be like, yeah, let's just cast all of these people as black people. And, you know, it might end up being there's some overlap between the different superhero, like between DC and Marvel. And like, I am like, the worst i'm just like yeah it's fine i don't care like i know some people are purists and they're like no you can't be in both universes and i'm like "Mm, no get your money so i picked winston duke because when i think of green lantern i was like oh who like what actor could be this like kind of like people know who green lantern is but they're also like what what's going on here um and i think he would just like make it a memorable character i should say like i think of the green lantern movie that was made with ryan reynolds a couple years ago and i was like i don't remember what this movie was about i don't really remember what this character was about ryan reynolds is also like a bunch of different like in different superhero movies like i just i don't know winston duke (laughs) who did you pick or he's definitely charismatic yeah and I think that yeah. Green Lantern has to have a little bit of charisma in there as well. So, yeah. Yes. So, sorry. I know you just said who you picked for Green Lantern. Who did you pick for The Flash? So, for Flash, I went with Alfred Enoch, who I know mostly from the Harry Potter series. He played Lee Jordan uh, in the Harry Potter Dean movies. Thomas. Yes, Dean Thomas. Duh. Wow. Magnitude played Lee Jordan. My bad. Um, Magnitude from Community, which is not his actual name. I don't know what his name is. But yes, he played Dean Thomas, correct. Wrong black character. Um, yeah, he's great. Uh, he was also in How to Get Away with Murder. Did you watch that show? I surely did. And after like three or four seasons, it stopped being good. But yes, he was really good in that show. I think that I he... I wanted The Flash to be a little bit younger. And actually, I don't even know how old, I mean, Alfred Enoch is around my age and I'm 31. So he's, um, I mean, quote unquote younger. I, I guess I could have gone with someone in their twenties, probably should have gone with someone in their twenties, but I went with him just cause I wanted someone who was a little bit I'm younger, certainly than like a Superman or a Batman and, um, kind of just brings the, the youthful energy, I guess. So I went with, with flash. Who did you go? Who did you go with for life? Um, So I also was like, oh, I should find someone young. (laughs) And I picked Ashton Sanders. He was in Moonlight. Um, And I was just really like, who's young, but like not too young, if that makes sense. Um, Like I was thinking of the young man that plays on Blackish and is the younger brother. And I'm like, oh, he may be him, but he's so young. Yeah, he's real maybe in high school so like that was just too young for the flash and um yeah i i felt that ashton sanders is like a good actor so he would make a very this would be a very fun role for him 
So I'm going to go the, the last couple here that I have, I um, are ones that we don't have crossovers on because okay. you, like we said, you did the Justice League movie that just came out a few years ago and I did the animated series. So my last, <clears throat> excuse me, my last couple, uh, Martian Manhunter, I have who I wanted to point out that Martian Manhunter is currently being played by a black man on uh, the Arrowverse series, um, Supergirl, played by an actor, a British actor named David Harewood. I would go with Trevante Rhodes, who is also in Moonlight. And um, I just think that he is, the Martian Manhunter has to be like, you know, he's from a different planet, right? He's from Mars. He's kind of just, he's kind of distant, but at the same time has a deep affection for the people of Earth and another like regal type person like Wonder Woman. So I, I went with Trevante Rhodes for that. Hot Girl, I went with Zazie Beetz. This is another kind of, I mean, she plays Domino in um, Deadpool, so this would be a, a bit of a Marvel DC crossover, but I just like her, and um, I want to see her in more movies. And then for a bonus one, Black Canary is currently being played in the DC um, movies by Journey Smollett-Bell, who is also in Lovecraft Country. So just wanted to throw her in there as, as a Black actress who's already doing the damn thing. So... Uh, yeah, why don't we go, what are your uh, last couple here? So the only two that didn't cross over with yours, I picked an Aquaman, and I thought Jesse Williams would make a good Aquaman. Um, Aquaman doesn't serve, like, much of a purpose, and that's okay. Um, but, like, <laughs> I, I was trying to, well, because, like, it's already, Aquaman's already played by a person of color, so I'm like, okay, like, it would not make like you still have to be like thoughtful in the casting. So maybe if Jason Momoa was black a little bit, we'd keep him, but because he's not Jesse Williams, because his eyes look like he could be Aquaman. Um, it's, there's not a lot of good reasoning there. And I understand. Um, and then for cyborg, I think that John Boyega would have been good. That's a good pick. I agree with that one. I want to see him in so many more things. Like, I'm ready for him to be in a lot of movies, hopefully, as soon as movies can be made again. I agree. I agree. Just coming off of Star Wars, and he, I really wanted him to be in Black Panther. Um, that didn't pan out, but, you know, there's always the sequel. We never. Yeah. There could be future ones, because weren't they making Star Wars when Black Panther was being made also? They were, yeah, pretty sure. Next time they can get him or some other, like there's no way he won't be in other stuff because he's good. And um, now that Star Wars is over, it's very fun to follow his social media antics. He's incredible. One of my favorite actors right now. Shout out to John Boyega. He's great. Okay, so are you ready for the next question? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so Ryan Moon, he asked... Do you think Jamie Foxx is the most talented person alive right now? He's up there. He's uh, he's an incredible, you know, he's had an incredible career. He's, you know, he's, I've known him firstly from In Living Color. And that was the early 90s. He's a stand-up comedian. He's an actor. He's won an Oscar. Um, he won an Oscar for Ray. And we almost did that movie as one of our movies. He's just, he is mind-blowing in that movie 
Um, he was also nominated that same year for supporting actor for Collateral, which is he's also really, really good in. Um, he sings, he plays piano. He's just, he's incredible. Big fan of Jamie Foxx. I agree. I think he is a very, very talented performer. And he definitely like sets the stage for like other people coming in behind him for like, you know, being, being able to do stand up, being able to sing and do movies and do TV show and like do like all of it. Um, I think he very much sets the standard for folks. Completely agree. There's a lot of guys who have um, kind of come in his wake. I think of people like Donald Glover and yes, who just have their hands in, in different things and are, are good at a, a lot of different things. And Jamie definitely set the standard for that. I agree completely. Uh-huh. Uh, let's get to the next one. Another one from Ryan Moon. He also asked, what films or people have been snubbed over the years for hashtag Oscars so white? So which which people or which movies have the Oscars snubbed which black performances or movies? Did you, did you think of any, what did you think about that? Um, so I thought back to last week when we talked about widows and, um, in general, that is what I was like, man, I wish that I'd gotten, but it wasn't even really nominated. So that doesn't even count. But, um, in recent history, that's what I can think of. I know there are plenty of, other performances and movies that have kind of gotten snubbed even after people are like hey the oscars you all need to do better yeah i agree uh just like with what you said about last week it's crazy that widows was not nominated for anything incredible performances in that movie just a great movie great uh really well directed movie it's just stunning to me there's a lot of worse movies that have been nominated for oscars than widows so ridiculous to me um i go back to our first one denzel and malcolm x that's the first movie the performance that i think of in terms of oscar snubs just in general uh he uh denzel lost best actor that year to al pacino in sin of a woman which is like the 98th best pacino performance it was more of a lifetime achievement award because he should have gotten the best actor award for godfather 2 and he didn't so i don't know a lot of oscar history is littered with um bad takes and and missteps but denzel for sure and then also angela bassett like we discussed and malcolm x i thought that she was definitely worthy to at least be nominated um for supporting actress and then recently more recently eddie murphy and dream girls he lost that supporting actor to i believe alan alda and Definitely disagreed with that one. And then I would have liked to also see Michael B. Jordan be nominated for Fruitvale Station because he's he's really great in that movie. So that's what I was thinking that came to mind to me. Those are all probably definitely performances that should have gotten recognition. Um, I can speak more to the Denzel and Angela Bassett in Malcolm X, but... They definitely, like, again, we talked about that movie and they were just both phenomenal in it. So the fact that they didn't get awards is kind of frustrating. Do you ever wish that, like, you were in charge of nominating people? Yes. 
But I also am like very like picky about things where I'm like people made a bad choice. Like they should have picked this thing. And I know I say this, know that I have like very bad taste, but like, I don't really care. I think that like, there are so many different movies and actors and actresses that people just like, don't think about. And I, it goes back to like green book one, like best picture. Right. And I'm just like, who, who said this, who decided this? Like who like, thought this story was worthy of like getting an award when like there's so many other people putting out other and I, it doesn't even really matter it could be another movie and it'd be better just because it's like people are so creative and I think a lot of stories that are from the perspective of people of color and not just like from the perspective and like pandering to the white audience but like it's from a what a the perspective of a person of color and it's like made for people of color. I think that those types of movies and shows get snubbed because I'm sure folks watch it and they're like, I don't really get what's going on here because they're not part of that in group. But like, yeah, if I could be part of that committee or whatever that picks movies, I'd be like, we're going to pick all of these movies. Well, I think that that's kind of the basis of why we're doing what we're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're the, you know, we're, we're highlighting people who are nominally nominally on the outside looking in most of the time. We're not the ones who are making the decisions. The Academy, up until recently, you know, there's been a, a big push to get more diversity, not just racially, but also AIDS demographic-wise. Yeah. In the Academy, like the Academy voters, the people who are voting for Oscars are it's like 80% white men over like 60. So... And that's up until maybe three or four years ago. So, you know, we're highlighting these movies because th- there needs to be a difference of thought from, from what's been going on since they started doing these. And not just Oscars, but just like the, the movie business in general, right? It's been, if it's since the 1930s or whatever you think about the first really four or five decades of movie making, it's just, you know, it's overwhelmingly white. And it's still overwhelmingly white, but especially just since the inception of the business and the industry. And so um, people of color and, and, and black people specifically are, have to keep knocking on the door and, you know, forcing their way into these conversations. So I agree. We'll, we'll do our own. We'll do our own Oscars. I love that. I think that you should be the one that for sure picks the movies because I know that you, A, watch more movies and B, have taste. So. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> just provide the movies. There's still a lot of movies that I haven't seen and that I want to see. And, you know, to, I thought about going to film school after college for a little bit. I thought about, um, it it was something that I, I looked into, uh, there's, I think there's a film school at the university of Texas. And I just, I looked a little bit. Um, I just love movies. I love, I don't, I don't know if I would love making movies, but I love, I love the process of making movies. I love like knowing, knowing about it. I don't know if I would want to do it personally, but it's something that I'm, I'm really passionate about. So, but there's still like so many movies that I want to see. So if you could be like, if your full-time gig or like your side hustle could be like just picking the movies and being on this committee that, you know, nominates movies, you would do that. That a hundred percent. Yeah. If I got paid to like watch a lot of movies and then, um, you know, impart some of my taste into 
recognizing which movies get awarded for certain things, I would do that in a heartbeat. I would love that. Absolutely love it. And I think I would be good at it too. So I think I do have taste, but we also, I mean, I, I, you say you don't have taste, but I, I think that we have similar tastes. Honestly, I think that we have a lot of some overlap in, in the movies that we value. So that's fair. Well, especially when it comes to these movies, just because they have value beyond just like an enjoyable watching experience. Like there's something outside of the entertainment value of a lot of movies that are either like fully led by a black cast or like there's a black director, there's lots of black writers in the writing room. Like there's an added value to any of that when watching the movie. We're going to work on the Oscars episode, maybe down the line. We'll, I love we'll, this. we'll, we'll come back to that one. That's <laughs> a good idea. Good seed of an idea. Um, next question from Ryan is if you can remake a movie with a white majority led cast to a black majority led, led cast, what movie would you do and with who? Um, what, what did you pick for this one? I picked one of my favorite movies just because I was like, mm, this would be better. And it helps because of the, that first black woman fighter pilot in the Navy. But I don't think you can remake Top Gun. Top Gun should be remade with women, but like also we're not there yet in terms of like history, like it only just happened. So if I were to remake Top Gun, I would have Chadwick Boseman play Maverick and Alfred Enoch play Goose, mostly because he's tall and goofy looking. (laughs) And like Goose is kind of tall and goofy looking. Well, this is one that, see, I've never seen Top Gun. Oh, well, I'm glad I didn't spoil the end of it. Just well, it's all good. I know what happens because I, you know, it came out a long time ago. And then there was supposed to be a, like the sequel that came, was supposed to come out this year. It was. And it, I think it got pushed either to the end of the year or next year. And I was kind of yeah. bummed. But like I said, um, the first woman, first black woman, Brenda E. Robinson, she's the first black female i want to get all this correct because i tried to talk about it to my parents and they're like you need to get every detail right Mm -hmm. she's the navy's first black female tactical air pilot and um so in in 20 years that's the top gun i want okay but today the top gun i want is chadwick boseman and alfredina (laughs) what movie would you have remade and recast that's a solid one and i actually did (laughs) i actually did one myself that I've actually I've never seen either but I did Thelma and Louise I've never seen that movie I know it's an iconic movie starring uh, Gina Davis and and I went with it was tough because I when thinking about this I was like well do I do actors who should have done it back then because Thelma and Louise came out in like 93 or whatever it was yeah so do I do it with like black actresses from back then or do I do it now and I just decided to go like if they're gonna remake it like now Okay. Um, with uh, Lupita Nyong'o and Issa Rae. I think that uh, that would be super fun. I've never seen Thelma and Louise. Did you know what it's about? These two women who are friends. Yeah, and then they go, like, I don't know if they, like, go on a crime spree or something like that. I, I don't know what they do. Oh. They're, something like that. I don't know. They go on a road trip of some sort. People who have seen the movie listening to this con this conversation right now are like, wow, like, come on, y'all, you, you, you gotta, you gotta know what you're talking about. But, um, I think that the, the dynamic between those two actresses would be good. Issa Rae obviously is a very funny woman. 
Yes. And I think that um, Lupita is such a good actress that if she were given the opportunity to be funny in a movie, I think that she would kill it. So I think it would be good. I, I like that. I would want to watch it if they were in it. Exactly. And that's what <laughs> movies like that, right? You want the, the top build actors to be people that, you know, if you see their name on the marquee or you hear that they've been cast in the movie, you're going to go to it. So I think that those two are perfect for that. I agree. I want them to now make this movie so we can go watch it. We, we have about seven or eight movies that we need to write. So we're, I mean, I'll just add to the list. We, we have time. We, I, I anticipate roughly 60 to 80 more years of life for us. If, so I'm praying, man. I, that's, that would be great. I'm, I'm praying for it. L- lots we of got, movies. Um, we're going to go to, do you want to read the next question from Andrew Downs? Yes. So Andrew said, who is the, mo- who is the best musician slash actor and why is it most deaf? This was interesting. There, they we got this question. Obviously, these were there were Twitter questions, and then there was kind of a thread where people were going back and forth between Mose and and Donald Glover, who we mentioned earlier. Um, Mose is a great actor. He's really funny. Um, he hasn't been in a while. It, it, been in a movie in a while. I should go by his new name, Yasin Bay. Sorry, Mose, if you're listening, or Yasin, if you're listening. Um, I I just wanted to throw out someone who you know obviously tragically died 20 so years ago, but um, Tupac, Tupac was a great actor. And I think that if he had been able to live longer, I think that people would have been able to get even more of his outstanding acting talent. I think of a movie like Juice and he's just like really electric in that movie. And he's just, you know, poetic justice he's famous for. And then he was on, on a different world, the TV show. And he's just like, he was a, a really good actor who I think we got um, robbed of seeing his acting talent. And I think that he would have been a really big um, movie star. What did you think of that? Who do you, do you have anyone else? I mean, obviously we talked about Jamie Foxx earlier. Who did you think of when you, when we talk about musicians and that who are also actors? I think of Donald Glover. Um, like immediately that's who I think of. And while the most recent album wasn't very great, um, I think that as an actor, Donald Glover is really, like, he can do well. He can also do not well. Um, he is pretty funny when he does stand-up. He's a good writer. And his music is really good. And so that's who I definitely think of as, like, the well-rounded performer. Um like that's who jumps to my mind, but I think that's also just, I don't want to say it's like my generation because it's like not that different, but Donald Glover was like, who was really big when I was in college. Yeah. I love him in community. Um, I love community. Community is my favorite show and he's good in the Martian. He has a supporting role in that movie. Um, I go back and forth on his music. Some of his music I really like. Some of it I'm more ambivalent towards. But um, he's certainly a great actor and, and a talented musician. Worked a lot with Luda Gorenson, who scored uh, Black Panther and who um, scored Community too. And he's he's done a. I think he's done each of. He scored Creed. I think he's done all of Ryan Coogler's movies. So he, he works a lot with Donald Glover and Ryan Coogler. 
but yeah, he's he's incredible. He's a he's a, a renaissance man. He is um, someone who uh, you know within the next five years could be like the single big, biggest star. Period. So for sure. Oh, for sure. And if they make more Star Wars movies and he gets his own movie, like he'll be set. And if he puts out another album in the next couple of years that does better he'll be in a really good spot did you watch community are you do you you... yeah i've seen lots of episodes of it it i think it was on when i was in high school and i thought it was funny so yeah community was on when i was in college and um his troy is the best character he's the best character he's the funniest the show wasn't the same after he left they recently did a live read um, a few months ago, like a virtual live read for a charity and, and Donald Glover was on there and there are some hints. Um, you know, I have hope now that he'll come back and do a movie. They kind of hinted at it subtly. And before I didn't really have hope that a, the movie would happen and B if it did happen that Donald Glover would be a part of it. And now I do have hope. And I just hope that, that my hope isn't crushed because, you know, I can only be hurt so much emotionally. <laughs> and it's w- not like, like you've watched Atlanta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not like Atlanta comes out every, like their seasons come out on a weird time line. So it's not like you can be right. like, I have a conflicting thing doing this show where most of the other people in the show are off doing other thing. Like they just shoot the show whenever everyone's free. So Hopefully he can do, he can come back for a movie. Exactly. Um, Andrew Downs also asked, please rank Michael B. Jordan performances. And so I think for the, you've seen more than I have of Michael B. Jordan's performances. Well, yeah. So, and Andrew mentioned in his tweet to include like The Wire, which is maybe, you know, I would say now it's Black Panther, but before that, I think people knew him the most from The Wire. And I've never seen The Wire. He played a character called Wallace um, on The Wire when he was younger. Um, I think when he was like, he was a teenager when he was on that show. And I've never seen it, so I can't include that here. But I guess, you know, quickly I'll go with mine. Uh, I have five, the five things that I know him from. Um, and he's been in some other movies that aren't on this list that I haven't seen. So I have to just go back based on what I've seen. Number five, Chronicle, a uh, superhero movie, found footage movie, I think directed by Josh Trank. He's really good in that. He's, um, I won't spoil that movie, but Chronicle, have you, are you familiar with Chronicle? Have you heard of it? I have never heard of it. So Chronicle came out, uh, I was in college, I'm pretty sure when it came out. So sometime between maybe like oh nine, maybe Chronicle came out and it's a movie about a group of friends in high school who get superpowers or they, they, they can fly. And it's like, uh, it's in the style of like found footage. So it's like people, they can like fly and they can, they have like telekinesis and it's really like an updated version of juice. Now that I, that, that I think about it because, um, in Juice, which is a movie I just mentioned, but like Juice is a is a movie about a, a group of friends who like um, these like regular you know four black friends who end up robbing a liquor store or a convenience store, and after they do it, they're really like 
oh my God, we shouldn't have done that. And it's, you know, they feel really guilty about it and they're really shook by it. But there's one of them, one of their friends who's played by Tupac just like likes it a little too much, right? Like he has a gun and he ends up, you know, he gets kind of power hungry. And that's kind of what Chronicle is about. These these four friends who like somehow, I can't remember because I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but they get these powers and like the ability to fly and stuff. And then like one of the friends just gets a little bit too power hungry. And I won't spoil it, but Michael B. Jordan is in it and he's good in it. And I think that that's what, that's a performance that he, that kind of put him on the map in terms of um, being a movie star. Cause he was known more from TV from the wire. And then number four is Friday night lights. He plays Vince Howard in, in the last two seasons of Friday night lights. And um, that I, in that performance is what made me believe like, okay, he's a really good actor. Like he has the ability to, I think some of the acting he does in Friday Night Lights, he hasn't really matched since. Um, he's, he's very good on Friday Night Lights as uh, the quarterback, Vince Howard of the East Dillon Lions. Uh, number three, Black Panther as Eric Killmonger, obviously maybe what he's most well known for now. Great in that movie. Um, number two, Fruitvale Station, where he plays Oscar Grant, which I just said previously he should have been nominated for an Oscar for because he's very emotional in that movie and it's just such a powerful movie and it's incredible. And then number one is Creed. Creed, he is, um, he has to play someone who is trying to like make his own legacy, but he's also chasing the ghost of his father and his relationships with his um his mother, who is, he's not his biological mother, but there's that dynamic and then his relationship with Bianca and then his, you know, surrogate father figure in Rocky. He's just, he's really great in that movie. So that's what I have. What did you, what Michael B. Jordan performances would you say are the best, I guess? I would agree that like Creed and Black Panther, those are the ones I have seen of this list of things you just named because for Friday Night Lights, I've only seen the first season, I think. And like I said, I had not heard of Chronicle. Um, And I've seen him in Fantastic Four, which was not a good movie in general. I've seen that one. I forgot. So he was in, so the same guy that directed Chronicle directed Fantastic Four. Oof. That's a tough look. (laughs) Like, oh, yikes. I think the Fantastic, that Fantastic Four had so much potential. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it had good actors in it, but I don't think the movie itself, I can't remember it. I remember it had really bad reviews. Um, Like legendarily bad reviews. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you have like so many bad, like I think off the top of my head, like both Michael B. Jordan and Miles Teller like do very well in like pretty much any movie they're in. How, how did this movie not do well? But that's fine. Um, they're good in other things. And yeah, Michael B. Jordan is really, I, if I had to rank his performances of like Creed, Creed two and black Panther, like it would probably go Creed, Creed two, then black Panther, but he is incredible in all of them. Yeah, I I agree. And I, you know, I have, Chronicle as his fifth best performance. So it's like, you know, ostensibly his worst on the list, but he's still, he's really good in that movie. 
And that's a movie again that people saw him in and were like, Oh, I think he can be a, a, a movie star and he can kind of shift out of only doing TV work. So. Yeah. Um, and did you see Just Mercy? I didn't No, And I heard that that was a really good movie too. That one I've heard so many good things about. So I think if I had watched it that month, it was free. I would have been like that movie is up there in his top performances. And Jamie Foxx in that one as well. So Yes. Yes. Um, okay. A question from Gabe Hibben. What's a cult classic movie among the black community that you think is severely underviewed or unknown about amongst the white community? So I have a lot for this. I have a lot on this question. This is like, this was the question for me. So I have a lot to say on this one, but I wanted to let you go first. Cause I have a lot to, I have a lot to go in. This will, this will be an ISO ball one for me. Just clear. <laughs> let me, let me work in the post, but what do you, what do you, <laughs> um, I, yeah, when I read this, I was like, Oh, like any movie, because I think about the movies that I watch being, um, just given like what is in front of me and I'm like what movies do people um not watch and I so then thinking about it I'm like well I guess like do the right thing is a movie that when I talk to black people they love it and when I talk to white people they're like what is that movie um and it might just be the people I talk to so I could be wrong but like I I think of a lot of like Spike Lee movies in general I'm just like uh I know that the black community really supports and likes these movies. I don't know if it's, I mean, we talking about Denzel and um, Angela Bassett, not even getting awards for their performances in Malcolm X. And it's like, well, that was like a really good, really good performances in this movie. And like, it's probably very under viewed and like not really talked about. So here's the thing. That's so that's, you, you make a, an interesting point here in my thought process about this movie. So a movie like do the right thing, which it could be considered cult. If you think of it in the sense of it's a movie that a lot of black people know about and love. And it's one that I obviously it's to me, it's one of the best movies ever made. Um, but it was, I, I, I cult is like how many people actually know about it. And I think that, a lot of I think enough people know about do the right thing enough white people know about do the right thing that I don't know if it should be considered cult or not that checks out <laughs> like that's just kind of the inner dialogue that I had within myself because however many people know about do the right thing more people should because it's literally one of the best movies one of the best American movies ever made period like full stop and um so like I'm I completely agree with you in terms of it being one of the movies that you, if, if that's like your only pick, like I completely agree with that because more people need to know about it. But um, some of the movies that I, that I'm going to briefly discuss, cause I have a lot of them. Some of them are like nowhere near, most of them are like no, nowhere near as good as do the right thing. Um, but I consider them cult because like way less people know about them and they're just way less prestigious, but do the right thing. One of my favorite movies I'll say it as many times as I need to say it. It's one of the best movies ever made. Um, did you, is there any other movie that you wanted to, to discuss before I... No, I think you, you've... Your I... list of movies, you're, like, ready, and I'm just like, I don't even... Like, what movies are cult classics amongst the Black community? 
and I, I think you are going to crush it with these movies because I don't, I've not heard of a couple of these. Okay. So real quick, I'll go through these cause I don't want to, I know we're running long here, but um, so the first movie that came to mind, and again, this kind of goes along with do the right thing in terms of like how many people know about it. But the first movie that comes to mind for me is coming to America, which is um, Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, um, you know, play African royalty and they come to, you know, um, Eddie Murphy is the princess of Munda and he comes to, New York, he comes to Queens in order to find himself a queen. And, you know, James Earl Jones plays his father and um, just supporting cast from everywhere. Alex Rodriguez is in the movie randomly as a young kid in, in the barbershop or in, uh, in McDonald's when Sam Jackson is robbing it. Um, I, you know, w- one of the most quotable, quoted movies by black people ever. But again, I think enough white people know about coming to America that I don't know if it's for this question. I don't know if it's severely underviewed or unknown about by white people. I don't know. I don't know a lot of I, white people's viewing habits besides, you know, friends. And um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know I what y'all want. all know about coming to America because white people like Eddie Murphy a lot. They do. That's true. That's a good point. Um, so that's not my pick, but I wanted to, to shout it out. So some of the other ones that I thought of is The Color Purple. Um, directed by Steven Spielberg in 1985, uh, based on the book by Alice Walker. Um, Whoopi Goldberg is in the movie. Um, uh, Margaret Avery is in the movie. Danny Glover is in the movie. Oprah Winfrey, famously in the movie. Um, and it's just about the lifespan of these women in the South who <laughs> have to have these shitty relationships with men. And, you know, it's like a coming of age tale. And, um, these two sisters, a lot of these movies I haven't seen in years, but like, you know, Booby Goldberg's sisters, you know, moves away and she comes back and like, that's just, it's, I don't know. That's a, a, a big black movie. Um, Rosewood in 1997, directed by John Singleton. That is a real positive movie based on, or real powerful movie, not positive movie. A lot of negative shit happens in that movie. But um, based on a true story about a town in Florida, Rosewood, Florida, um, in the 1920s that ends up being, there's like a big massacre there. Um, Rosewood had a, a really thriving black community there. And in the movie version of the events, there is um, a white woman who accuses a black man of um, sexually assaulting her falsely. And that leads to um, violence on the black community there. A real powerful movie. Don Cheadle in that movie. Ving Rhames in that movie. Real, real powerful movie. Um, What's Love Got to Do With It? Angela Bassett plays Tina Turner. Plays Tina Turner's story. Um, famously, Lawrence Fishburne as Ike Turner. Tina Turner, or um, Angela Bassett, nominated for an Oscar for that movie. Um, really harrowing movie where, you know, it deals with her abuse from Ike Turner, so just big one. Um, Harlem Nights, 1989, another Eddie Murphy movie. Um, Eddie Murphy plays Quick. It's a it's a movie about you know black um, you know gangsters in the 40s in Harlem, but it's a comedy. It's not like a crime movie. It's uh, you know um, Red Fox and Richard Pryor in the movie. Della Reese in the movie. Um, have you heard of any of these movies? Before I keep going. <laughs> Which movies have you heard of and which ones haven't you heard of? So, oof. I think 
just coming to America in the color purple and the color purple because I've read the book. Okay. Have you seen have you seen the movie? I have not. Okay. But like based off of the book, it's probably really sad. It is. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh, nominated for an Oscar, I'm pretty sure. I think it might have been nominated for Best Picture that year. Um, if my sister's listening to this podcast, I got to shout out The Last Dragon, 1985. Um, we just had an argument about this. The, rest, the Last Dragon is a bad movie. It's not a good movie. Oh. <laughs> um, it's a like, black kung fu movie. Um, really cheesy, but it's one that, I mean, it's a cult movie. Um, so yeah, those are the ones that come to mind for me the most, but the, the two biggest to me, to me, the two biggest, um, cult classics in, in the black community that white people should know more about. The first is called the, the five heartbeats, five heartbeats directed by Robert Townsend came out starring Robert Townsend. Uh, Leon is in the movie. Uh, God, I don't have the Wikipedia page pulled up, so I can't rattle off the names of the people in the movie, but it's, it's about, it's a it's a fictionalized version of uh like a motownish musical group and their formation and the ups and the downs that they go through um it's like you know like the temptations basically and it tells the story of this group and how they come together and the success that they have and how it comes apart and how they're able to in the end kind of reunite when they're older but that's a um it's it's a it's a funny movie it's an emotional movie that's a that's a big one. And the last one for me, number one, if I was going to say number one, if, if the five heartbeats is number two, then the number one is New Jack City. Uh, man, New Jack City uh, from 1991 starring Wesley Snipes as Nino Brown. Uh, Ice-T uh, is in the movie. Judd Nelson is in the movie. Ice-T plays a cop, an undercover cop who infiltrates Wesley Snipes' um, crew. And... It, Wesley Snipes crew, they sell drugs. That's what they do. They sell crack. And New Jack City, honestly, it's a propaganda film. It's an anti-crack, um, like propaganda movie where it's just like crack is the most evil shit and the thing that has torn the black community apart the most. Chris Rock is also in the movie. He plays Pookie, a crackhead in the movie. Um, the greatest soundtrack of all time, New Jack City. A lot of great New Jack swing songs on that on that soundtrack, but uh if you see have you seen new jack city negative ghost rider so it, the first if you ever watch new jack city you'll know the first time i watched it all the way through i was like in middle school and i was just like or no i was in high school i was probably i was in high school the first time i sat down and watched it all the way through and when you watch it you'll just realize how much rappers reference new jack city in their songs like so many rap references come from New Jack City, the main one being um, Lil Wayne, right? Lil Wayne's real name is Dwayne Michael Carter. Um, and his al- most of his albums, you know, the Carter, the Carter 2, Carter 3, Carter 4. Um, the Carter is, that's a New Jack City reference. They're, the building, the, uh, the projects that they sell crack in is called the Carter. Um, and there's just so much, that's just like the, that's the tip of the iceberg. Like there's so much stuff in new jack city that once you watch it all the way through you'll be like oh so that's where he got that from that's where this rapper got that from this is where that rapper got that from like so much in new jack city um it's just like a gold mine of, of rap references like a lot of rappers watched 
New Jack City and it was a formative experience for them. And then they included that in their in their songs. So that's cool. New Jack City and the five heartbeats. Those are the two biggest ones, I would say, to answer that question. Nice. Um, one of our last questions here from Sam Lozada. He asks, can you explain why Don Cheadle is such an underrated actor? What do you think of Don Cheadle? What are your thoughts? I like Don Cheadle. And I think that he should be in more things, even though he is like well-known. It's not like people don't know who Don Cheadle is and like he could be in a variety of films and um, he's good in whatever he's in. I think he's probably underrated because he has like the dad vibe and that like, it doesn't matter how good you are. They're like, ah, Don Cheadle or someone else. He's great. I just, you know, everything that he's in, he makes better. He's one it's of those. True. It's just like, if he's in a movie, the movie's going to, he's going to elevate the movie through his performance. Um, I mentioned just a, a minute ago that he was in Rosewood. He's great in that movie. Um, Devil in the Blue Dress, he's great in. Um, Out of Sight, another 90s movie he's really good in. Hotel Rwanda, he was nominated for an Oscar for. Um, he's just, he's incredible. One of my favorite actors. He's, you know, if he's in a movie, there's you're at least going to enjoy his part in it. So, It's true. Like, I don't think anyone in any movie that he's in, they're like, yeah, he does port. Like, everyone, I think there's a general consensus that he does well. But for whatever reason, he's like one of those actors that everyone's like, yeah, I recognize that man. And I know he's really great. But he doesn't get, like, the recognition he, like, should for being great. That's one of the reasons why I'm so glad that he's in the Marvel Universe now. Like, I'm I'm glad that he is um, War Machine in those movies just because, like, just for more people to see him in that in those movies and then maybe want to seek out other stuff that he's been in because he just deserves because yeah. he's just he's incredible. Agreed. Uh last question here from Dylan Kuhn. A good question to to end on. Um he wanted to know our thoughts on three shows that feature black leads, um, all on HBO. So Lovecraft Country, which we mentioned briefly earlier and then Watchmen and Euphoria. Now, Lovecraft Country, we're recording this on Saturday night, and so the next Lovecraft Country episode will be tomorrow night, Sunday night. There's only been one episode. It premiered last week. You said that you have not seen that. Um, I'll briefly talk about that, but did you see Watchmen uh, and Euphoria? I watched Watchmen a couple weeks ago. I say that I watched Watchmen in June. That was a long time ago. Um, And Euphoria... I heard was just like really intense. And so I was unsure about watching it, but I heard the performances were really good, but the storyline kind of scared me. Yeah, it's a lot. I want, I want to save you for you. Um, what did you, what did you think about Watchmen um, starring Regina King? And then um, God, what's that name? Yeah. Abdul Mateen. I can't think of his first name. Starts with the Y. Um, but yeah, what did you think of Watchmen? I thought it was awesome. I will not look up a lot of things about anything before watching it just so that like there's some element of surprise when watching things. And I did not expect Watchmen to go in the direction it went. Like I had listened to an interview with Regina King when she was talking to Sam Sanders from NPR and 
the way they were talking about the show, I was just like, ah, it's a superhero show, kind of like the Watchmen movie, but like the movie I don't, I did not like. Yeah. Um, so then something prompted me to watch the show and I'm like, the show is amazing and so relevant and so good. And um, like everyone I know is like, yeah, no, that show's so great. And I'm, it's kind of a bummer that like there's only one season because they could dig into so many different things. And um, I think what's most frustrating is not the show itself, but like, um, you know, Tulsa, like mm-hmm. that's not taught. Yeah. In like classes. And so I'm like, oh, yes, this happened. So I I loved that they tied in history that is very relevant right now to a show that like a lot of the concepts in the show are really relevant. I think Watchmen's great. Ten out of ten. The only show here that I can be like, this show's great, but I I feel good about the other two based off of like what I have read and heard that they're also very good shows and you've watched all three. I have. Yeah. Um, real quick on Watchmen as someone who I, I read the, the comic um, when I was in high school and I've read it maybe a couple of times since, but it's really intense and you don't have to have read the comic to understand what's going on in the TV show. It's so weird like that, but it is, it's like a logical, the TV show is like an extension of what, like if what happened in the book were real, like how, you know, the book takes place in the eighties, it was written in like the mid eighties. And so 30 years later, 35 years later, what would the world look like if that actually happened? And so that's, that's kind of, and it's an interpretation of that and it's really well done. And especially for like a, real quickly, like Rorschach in Watchmen in the book, the book ends with, um, so at the end of Watchmen that you hear about, you know, um, Ozzy Mendes, what's his actual name in that show? I can't think of his name. The character that Jeremy Irons plays, Adrian Veidt. So Watchmen, the book ends with Adrian Veidt um, doing that, doing his plan, right? The giant squid drops in Times Square and like millions of people die. And um, the book ends with Rorschach's journal. Rorschach is killed by um, Dr. Manhattan and his journal gets out and people like read what happens, read what Adrian Veidt did. And so Rorschach in some ways, like Rorschach is a really fucked up character in the book, but he's kind of in, a, in, in at least slightly presented as, as, as the hero at the end of the book. And so it's just interesting that the TV show plays the logical extension of that, of like people who read what Rorschach wrote and just like, became radicalized racists. And I just thought that was a really interesting direction to take and really smart. And, um, you know, they're wearing masks and um, it's just, it's crazy. Watchmen is incredible. It just, it it redefines what television and film can do to interpret comic book stories, in my opinion. It's that good. It's incredible. It's an elite show. It deserves all of the praise that it got because it's phenomenal. Lovecraft Country. Um, oh no, go ahead. If you no, have... I was just I was just agreeing with you about Watchmen. It is just so good. It's incredible. Um, Lovecraft Country. I mean, again, there's only been one episode, but it's really dope. Um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It's 
again, Jonathan Majors is in it. Journey Smiller Bell is in it. Courtney B. Vance. Those are the three main characters. And it takes place in the 50s. And I've listened to an interview uh, with the, uh, the showrunner, Misha Green, who wrote the first episode who is this she's you know she's a black woman and she's talked about in this interview reclaiming the horror genre and the mystery genre for black people it's a genre that hasn't featured black people very much and so she's trying to um you know trying to reclaim that space for for black voices and black characters and i think it's dope i'm really excited to um, to see where it goes. There's a there's a part in the middle of the first episode where you know, the, the show takes place in the 50s and a big theme of the show is like, it's a horror show with like horrific monsters and stuff like that, but it's also just like, it shows horrific racism. And Corny B. Vance, Jonathan Majors, and Journey Smollett, they're like driving throughout the Midwest. And there's a monologue that plays from James Baldwin. And it's just like a montage of them going to these different, you know, the colored um, lunch counters and the colored um, drinking fountains and stuff like that. And they have to endure like racist taunts from white people. And it's just like a minute and a half in the middle of the episode. And it's just phenomenal. It's just so incredible. And it's, it's similar to Watchmen in that Watchmen taught white people about Tulsa and the race riots and now Lovecraft country they're talking about like sundown towns, which still exist, but were more, even more prominent in the fifties, like in just the early part of the 20th century, which is towns that if you're black, if you're there after sundown, then you're going to get lynched. Um, And that's a real thing that happened. And it's uh, incredible that they're doing these stories in that way. So watch Lovecraft country. I'm excited for the next episode. Lastly, euphoria, um, it's not a black show, but it's led by a black woman by Zendaya. And to me, Euphoria is she is um her performance in that show is just off the charts. And I've there's an episode that I watched of the show. I, I watched the entire season, the first season, but there's a a, a part a point in that show where I was just like, she's gonna win an Oscar someday. Like her acting is that good. Her acting talent is like and Zendaya is like 22, maybe 22 or 23, and I'm like, she's doing stuff acting wise that actresses 10 years older, 10, 20 years older can't do like, she's just incredibly talented. So euphoria is great. And um, her performance is great. The show itself is kind of wild. I, the storylines are crazy, but she's incredible in the show. So those are my thoughts. I'll definitely add euphoria and Lovecraft country to the watch list. But as of right now, they're, what do you think about these shows, I guess, kind of what you were saying with HBO? Like, what do you think of these shows, like, introducing these parts of Black history to the broader consciousness that, that really haven't been explored before? I but like it. Level, I guess. Like, I think it's important, and I think it goes back to, like, telling Black stories from a perspective that's not made to make white people feel good about themselves. Um and so just like American history is like pretty ugly. So like, don't romanticize it. Like you can use it to like tell these other stories and see how you can like move forward. So I really like that HBO's doing that. Um, and like how throughout all of this from starting when we 
are looking at black performances up until now, like reviewing these, these questions that people sent in about black movies, black performances. And I'm just like, yeah, this is just not like the, what I grew up in where I'm just like, man, like all of these different, it just wasn't like in my face. And I'm like, you to even like seek out a lot of these other movies, like you have to be so into the community, like a big part of the community and like my mom's white. So it's not like we were watching a lot of these movies and not because we were actively trying not to, but it's just not like presented in a way and in a, uh, it's not as accessible as like a lot of the other movies that as we know, this is again, why it was an exercise to like, be like, Oh, what are like some really good black performances when there's so few and they're like, there are so many good ones, but it's just like, oh, they're just so few that like are brought to our attention. So I think the fact that these shows are on HBO where you can't say like, I didn't know that this show was, it, it existed. Like everyone watched, every, most people have watched Watchmen. A lot of people are talking about Lovecraft Country. A lot of people have watched Euphoria. And so they're learning about these other aspects of like, that inform the black experience like long-term, like I, I would hope that's what people gain from that. I'm sure plenty of black folks are like, yes, like this is good that we like have this foundation that like now we all are on the same page where we know that this happened. It's just interesting because we, it's a lot of times like black filmmakers, black, you know, entertainers, like we're, they're trying to, they feel this, um, they feel this call or this pull or this um, responsibility to share these stories. Yeah. And that's good. But at the same time, it's like, it shouldn't solely be on them, no. right? Like it shouldn't solely be on filmmakers or entertainers to like bring these stories to the masses. Like these are things that need to be taught and they need to be um, in our school systems and they need to be reckoned with because a lot of you know 90 percent of america's um history with race like we, we still haven't really reckoned with and that leads to the discourse being really dishonest and happening in bad faith and in order for us to really come to grips with the history or i guess in terms of in in, in order for white people to come to grips with the racist history of the country like it needs to be explained and it needs to be dealt with in an honest way. And so it's good that these um, TV shows exist, but it needs to be, you know, taught in a deep, in a deeper level. And the context needs to be understood in a deeper level as well. Agreed. Like you, you're totally correct. And it can't just be black people. And then other like people of color educating like per making all those materials where it's like, yes, this is important. We need to know, we need to talk about um, Tulsa. Like it should not be only on black folks. It should be like white educators need to be like, yes, this is important. We need to talk about this and we need to talk about like how this impacts our lives now. Agreed. Completely agreed. This is a great episode. Great question. Um, a lot of fun. Do you want to kind of talk about what we're going to be doing in the next 
incarnation of our great podcast. Yes. So we're going to start talking about music and we're going to go through like different areas of, well, different music from different times of our lives, um, which should be pretty interesting because as I recall, there was not like a ton of great things that I listened to as a young person, but there were lots of good music. Like there were lots of good albums coming out in the 90s, in the 2000s, in the 2010s. So we'll be talking about that. Yeah, really excited. Um, Our first episode, we're going to be looking at, um, we're going to break down two albums each of two albums that came out when each of us were in elementary school. So we're going to do elementary school. After that, we're going to do middle school and high school and so on. And um, we'll explain the criteria for what we picked. And then we, we have some categories that we're going to talk about. And each of us are going to listen to each other's albums. And we're going to discuss them um, using these categories as a framework. And I'm just really excited. I guess, you know, next week we're going to be talking about some, some 90s music. So I'm really excited to talk about that. And I'm really excited to share it with everyone else. So it's going to be fun. Pumped. It'll be, it'll be great. I'll have to listen to all the new music Friday that Spotify makes for me. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Thank you all for listening. We will talk to you next week. See you then. Thanks, y'all.